Uh, last week, my third and fourth graders had a memory verse, and it actually comes from the verses that I'm going to be reading today for you. And I wanted those kids to learn uh, two things from these verses. One is, God is the kind of guy that you want on your side, in the tough times especially, because he's tougher. And two, uh, the creator of the universe. The creator of the universe loves us so much that he saved us, even when we were powerless. So the Old Testament lesson today has their memory verse in it as we prepare for the coming of our Savior this Christmas. May we put our hope in him, the one who saves. From Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 through 20, we read, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in, at the time when I gather you together. For I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson comes from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And it goes like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Out of respect for Christ, please rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel appointed for this, the third Sunday in Advent, is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, the third chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. 
The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. And yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as I said at the beginning of the service, we're going to, be con- we're going to continue with our sermon series on the colors of Advent and Christmas. And of course, today it's the color red. And of all the Christmas colors, red is probably the most prominent. Santa's outfit is red. Rudolph's nose is red. Christmas lights are red. Candies or candles are red. Candies are red. Christmas bulbs are red. Wrapping paper is red. Candy canes are red or red striped. Christmas pajamas are red. There's even red Christmas trees that you can purchase. And as we scan the sanctuary today, we can see, well, you'll see a red-covered bulletin. You see the red covers on the altar and the pulpit. I've got my red stole on today, and of course we have these beautiful red poinsettias. But there is a deeper meaning to the red of Christmas than all of these red items that surround us today. The deeper significance can be seen, actually, in that cross, can't it? As green reminds us of life and purple suggests to us the royalty of Christ, red is the color of blood. Red is the color of sacrifice. And red is the color of celebration. God's Word shed some light on the meaning of sacrifice, and I would like for us to look this morning at Genesis chapter 22. And so I read from Genesis 22, verses 1 through 14. And after these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, And offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up early in the morning and he saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and he arose. And he went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. And then Abraham said to to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, for I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back again. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they both 
they both went up together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went both together. Then when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and he laid the wood in order and he bound Isaac, his son, and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and he offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. In this Genesis story, we see Abraham now well past the age of 100 years, willing to sacrifice his miracle child, just as the Lord commanded him to do. I mean, Isaac means the world to his mom and his dad, for Isaac was truly a miracle child. You may recall from your reading of the book of Genesis that for many decades, Abraham and Sarah had tried to have a child, but to no avail. And they were downcast and bewildered by their infertility, but they had contented themselves with the knowledge that for some reason they would not have a son, even though God had promised them decades earlier that they would have a child. But God had not forgotten his promise that he had made to Abraham, that Abraham would be the father of, a, of great nations, that Abraham's descendants would be as numerous as the sand on the seashore, and that the promised Savior of the world would come from his family. Oh, Sarah had laughed when she had heard the Lord's promise. But this was no laughing matter. God is not bound by age, and so even though Sarah's womb was as good as dead at the age of 90, the Creator made Sarah's womb come alive. And she gave birth to Isaac. And now it seemed with the birth of Isaac that all the promises that God had made would be fulfilled. And then this event happens. And now all of these promises are once again in jeopardy because God has commanded Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac on the mountain. The Lord has ordered Abraham to, to bind Isaac to an altar and to kill him with a knife. And Abraham, much to my amazement, obeys the Lord without question. Even though it appears as though God is reneging on his promise. I mean, God had promised Abraham that he would have numerous descendants and that the promise of the Messiah would come from one of his offspring. And now all of these promises and others would be lost in the red blood of Isaac, slain 
as a sacrifice to God. Well, Abraham and Isaac reached the point on the mountain where the sacrifice is to take place. And Abraham and Isaac build the altar and they pile the wood on it. And then Abraham binds his son and lays him on the altar. And as Abraham raises the knife ready to plunge it into Isaac's heart, the Lord intervenes. The incident had been a test. In some ways, maybe from our perspective, a cruel test. But it was a test of Abraham's faith. And Abraham had passed the test, and his son is spared. It's a remarkable story, filled with so much of the Christmas and Good Friday message. There are many, many parallels between this story and the birth and the life and the death of Jesus Christ. God's son is a miracle baby, isn't he? He is true God and true man. He is conceived in the womb of a virgin named Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this miracle child born to Mary is without sin. But then there's Good Friday. And in the story of Good Friday, God does not withhold his precious and beloved son of promise, but willingly gives him up for the sins of all humankind. And unlike Abraham's situation, the Lord's hand does not intervene. He watches silently from heaven as a spear is plunged into Jesus' side, his son's side, and the red blood pours out of Jesus' wounds. And he dies. God did what he expects none of us to do. He sacrifices his own beloved son so the debt of our transgressions might be paid in full. His eternal son spills his blood for us. He is the lamb slain for the sins of the world. He is the ram who gives his life for us. St. Peter writes, we were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from our forefathers with the precious blood of Jesus. We may not want to think of such gruesome things at Christmas time, blood and all that stuff. And yet God becomes a man so that we, so that we might live, so that we might know day by day that our sins are forgiven And that we might know that one day we will be raised from the dead, freed from the curse of sin and freed from the curse of death. As one hymn writer puts it, and we'll sing these words shortly after the message is completed, Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. And free we are, because the Son of God spilled his blood for us. Red is the color of sacrifice. But red is also the color of celebration and joy. And this brings me now to the next point of this message. The third Sunday in Advent is traditionally known as the Sunday of joy, the Sunday for rejoicing. And in the Christian church, we use the color red for festive occasions, don't we? The color red is used on Pentecost Sunday. It's used on Reformation Sunday. The color red is pulled out for Confirmation Sunday. 
And it's also used for the ordination and installation of pastors. And so it's fitting, isn't it, that we use the color red for the celebratory occasion of Jesus' birth as our Savior. The joy of Christmas is that God comes to die. That's the joy of Christmas. He comes to die so that he might set us free, so that we might have our relationship restored with him. Jesus is the source of joyous rapture. And when I say Jesus is the source of joyous rapture, I'm not just talking about that little, cute little baby born in Bethlehem. But I'm talking about the Jesus who spills his guts for us on the cross of Calvary. That's the source of joy this Christmas season. In the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation, there's a scene where Satan is pictured as an enormous red dragon. And we're told in this vision that the red dragon tries to devour all the believers in Christ. But the believers are protected. They're protected by the Lord. And the vision reveals that the red dragon has been overcome and he's defeated by the blood of the Lamb. The text in Revelation 12 says, the dragon has been overcome, and we the believers have triumphed over the dragon, that's Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, and therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Isaiah puts it this way in his book when he sings, the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing, and everlasting joy will crown their heads, and gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. My friends, God loves you. He loves you as his very own child. And he ransomed his own son so that you and I might be his sons and daughters. Yes, we are the ransomed of the Lord. And Advent and Christmas is a time when we adore and we celebrate the advent of the Christ child and the new relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father because of the blood that the Christ child ultimately sheds for us. And that is why we gather together during the season of Advent and Christmas and we sing hymns like, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. And we sing joy to the world for the Lord is come. And we sing hark the herald angels sing glory be to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild for God and sinners are reconciled. The celebration of our Lord's birth is only 13 days away. And as we rejoice in Christ's birth, as we worship the Christ child, as we gather for the celebratory occasions with our family and friends, the color red reminds us that our Lord Jesus came willingly. He came joyously. He came courageously. He came as the perfect Lamb of God to be slain so that he might slay the red dragon by shedding his red blood on the cross of Calvary. The color red of Advent and Christmas represents sacrifice and celebration. Our Heavenly Father gave us the most precious Christmas gift of all, his own beloved Son. 
And it's this beloved son who gives us reason to worship and adore him, to celebrate and rejoice in his saving work, to serve and to sacrifice ourselves for him and in his name. Not only during this Advent season, not only during this Christmas season, but throughout our life. To him be all honor and glory. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.